All right, well, we're going to open the Word of God to Luke chapter 12. And I uh, was going to read uh, 21 verses, but I don't know if I have time enough. Let's see. Uh, I'll just go ahead and read them all. I can't leave anything out. We'll begin with verse 1. In the meantime, when there were gathered together an, an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon the other. We don't have that problem tonight, do we? Okay. Uh, one upon another. He began to say unto his disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which ye have spoken in the ear and closet shall be proclaimed from the housetops. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are, are, are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Also I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemeth against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven. And when they bring you into the synagogues and unto magistrates and powers, take ye no thought how or what thing ye shall answer or what ye shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. And one of the company said unto him, Master, Speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods, emphasizing the my. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods hid, laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for tonight. I thank you for each one that's here. I thank you for the opportunity I have to open your word. And I pray that we'd all glean something from it tonight that would be to our profit and bring you honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake, amen. All right. This uh, particular passage is known as the parable of the rich fool or uh, the danger of covetousness. And, uh, but there, I saw something else tonight. I mean, it's speaking to all of us. Uh, 
I've, I've got to hurry a little bit here. I, I feel like a hound dog that got let off the back of a pickup truck. So many trails and so little time. So I've been, I've been I've kept quiet for a while. All right, let's look at verse 13. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he didn't come into the world to set secular matters straight, did he? Why did he come? He, for, uh, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus has come into the world to save sinners. And that's what Paul said. He also added, I am chief at the end of that uh, statement. But he didn't come into the world to set secular matters straight. He didn't come as an administrator, but as a savior. And... Uh, so he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Now, I just want to stop the train, put feed hold on right here. Well, excuse me, feed hold. That's a, a machine shop term. It means stop, stop the machine, okay? Uh, and uh, there's something here that we really uh, need to address, look at. Um, Where's this man? The man that asked the question. Where, I mean, where, where, where is he? He said, in the meantime, at verse 1, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod on one another, while the Lord Jesus was teaching. Here we have the Son of God teaching the Word of God. And an innumerable group of people... You know, have you ever seen some of these rock concerts where everybody shows up and you got a big crowd and if one person gets excited, the whole crowd gets excited and they all just kind of feed off each other and off the speaker. But here he was in the middle of all this going on. They were stepping on each other's feet and trying to get close to the Lord and hear what he was having to say. Where was he? I mean, he's under the teaching and preaching of the Son of God. John 7, 46 says, Never man spake like this man. Never. And uh, he, think of the Sermon on the Mount. He preached for three chapters of the Bible. By the way, he didn't alliterate any of his points. But <laughs> uh, three chapters of the Bible, Matthew 5 through 7. But where was this man? Where was he? My inheritance. That's all he had on his mind. My inheritance. I mean, I don't care who the preacher is. I mean, I, I'm just saying, this is, this, he, was, he was listening to the Son of God, to God himself deliver the Word of God. In the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And uh, the word of God also says that uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So here was the word of God right there. But he didn't appreciate it, did he? See, I don't really care who the preacher is, though. I've listened to a lot of different preachers in my time. I'm getting old. Sandra, could I have that water? 
Um, I've listened to a lot of different styles of preaching. I don't know what your favorite kind is. Uh, a lot of folks, I'm sorry, but I, my mouth's getting a little bit dry. Anyway, uh, I don't care who the preacher is. What I care about is what's preached. Um, if he's preaching from the Word of God, whether he's reading from his notes or uh, that he took the time to prepare, by the way, whether he's reading from his notes that he took the time to prepare or he's speaking extemporaneously, it is the Word of God and we need to listen. I have heard about every style of preaching that you can, even ima that you can ever imagine. What's your favorite kind? Loud? You like it loud? Uh, or you like it soft? You like it when they run up and down the aisles? I've seen that one. I've had them stand on the front pew and, uh, and stand up there on the back of the pew and preach. I've sat through uh, sermons like that. Uh, I've seen them preach from behind the pulpit. I've seen them preach uh, on top of the piano. From the communion table. And one of the weirdest ones was he was on top of the modesty rail in front of the choir doing his eagle sermon. <laughs> he was perched on the, modest, on the modesty railing. But I've seen a lot of different kinds of preaching. You know, you get to where you enjoy some of it. And some of it you say, uh, the modesty rare one, I told him that, that was back when the gong show was on. I told him I would have gonged him. But anyway. <laughs> um, but I've seen all types of, of sermons and different preachers, but the one that I recall, and I'll never forget as long as I live, we were at a Bible conference, and this man, and if I told you his name, every one of you here would know him. And you might figure out who it is. He was standing up there. He looked like he should have been Secretary of State. So dignified looking. He was the most immaculately dressed, manicured, combed hair, everything. Everything was perfect. He looked like he should have been Secretary of State. And he got up there and started preaching. Well, next thing I knew, he reached into his coat pocket, pulled this out. And every time... He made a point. Every time. Every time he made one of his big points. And that went on for a while, and we were laughing and enjoying it, and everybody was watching him. Nobody took their eyes off the preacher. And uh, he just kept at it. And then it, got, then it went further. I'm not doing it. He was preaching. He started putting the handkerchief in his mouth. And that got some eyes open. He actually had the whole thing in his mouth before he finished preaching his sermon. Had his handkerchief in his mouth. And the whole audience was just hanging on every word. So I've seen some strange sermons. <laughs> and, and some uh, just 
straight from behind the pulpit and open the Word of God and go. But listen, I don't care. My point is, no matter what the preacher's style of delivery is, if he stays in the Word, listen to him. Some of them do things just to keep people's attention, but just listen. You'll always learn something. I've never really listened to anybody preach any sermon that I didn't get something from if I was trying to. See, we, we have a job to hear. I mean, God sent them. God gave them what, what he wants them to preach, and there's something in it for each one of us if we'll just listen. So here he was in this big group, and uh, the Lord Jesus is teaching and admonishing people, and, and all of a sudden, my inheritance. That was all that was on his mind. My inheritance. I mean, back to, where is this man? He's listening to the Word of God, literally from God, but his mind is a million miles away on his inheritance. How horrible. We would never do that, would we? I mean, we've never sat in a service thinking about the line at the restaurant. About the score of the game. The traffic. Wanting the service to begin at uh, 11 o'clock sharp and end at 12 o'clock dull. No, we wouldn't be guilty of that, would we? So we don't need to have an invitation here, do we? So there's just so many, so many things that uh, we miss when we uh, allow ourselves to get dis dis distracted. Now I want you to look at what he didn't pay attention to. You see, he missed some things. He missed a lot. Luke chapter 12, verse 1 through 3 with the cure for hypocrisy. I got, I'm going to give you the short version. Luke 12, 4 and 5, power of godly fear. 12, 6 and 7, God's uh, providential care. 12, 8 and 9, importance of confessing Christ. Let the redeemed of the Lord uh, say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. 12, 10, blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. 12, 11 through 12, the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. I mean, he just went past all of that while he's thinking about my inheritance. He missed all of that. Why? The Lord knew his problem. Was the problem his inheritance? No. Was anything wrong with the inheritance? No. A lot of people get inheritances, don't they? There's nothing wrong with it. It was his attitude towards it. The Lord Jesus knew right where to go. He said, uh, the Lord went right to the heart of the problem. Verse 15, and he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. I mean, if, it, if the inheritance was evil, then money's evil, isn't it? Is money evil? Not one bit. Look here. Got a $100 bill here. 
Is it evil? Well, I can lay it right here right next to me. It won't do anything to me. Uh, if I wave it around, I see I'm losing a lot of people's attention. It's on a $100 bill. No. Um, money's not evil. What does the Lord say? What does the Bible say about money? The love of money is the root of all evil. In, in Timothy, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says, In verse, I mean, First Timothy chapter 6, excuse me. It says that the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of, uh, good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hath professed a good profession before many witnesses. And so, he came back with the, with the idea that uh, take heed and beware of covetousness. Now, most I've heard a lot of people say, oh, covetousness. That's not so bad. It's at the end of the list. It's the tenth in the Ten Commandments. That's not so bad, is it? So, I had to stop and think about that. Not so bad. Covetousness is not so bad. Well, you stop and think about it. If you have a, a covetous heart, and you dwell, and you live that way, you can covet something or someone, you can, and, and that can become your God. You can covet something to the point where you'll kill for it. You can covet something so much that you'll lie or steal. I mean, you just go right down the list. It's a, it's, it's a good reason it's down there, because it's related to all the rest of them. If you really look at the Ten Commandments. Or not the, so... Um, People say it's not so bad, but we can see that it is. So here was this man. He was absorbed with himself, his own concerns, waiting for an opportunity to have them met. All through the sermon, he waited for an opening and said, well, what about my inheritance? Can you talk to my brother? And he sat under the preaching of the Word of God, totally self-absorbed. He loved the gifts and forgot the giver. Every one of us came here to church tonight in a car. We left a house that was heated, I'm pretty sure. And if it wasn't, well, come talk to somebody, maybe we'll help you. But uh, we all are, are really blessed of God. But he forgot the gifts, no reference to God, no gratitude for God's blessing, no petition for God's guidance. It was all about my inheritance. But sometimes we can get the same way, can't we? we? God can bless us mightily. 
and we'll start enjoying the gifts too much. We'll start turning our backs on him. There are folks that have gotten job offers that actually were a real blessing, and it turned out to be a curse because it took them away from God. So they took their eyes off the Lord. So we can, we can have the same thing happen to us. We can get absorbed with the gifts, health, family, children, friends, success, material goods. And I get weary sometimes of all the appliances and things we have around the house because I begin to wonder who's serving who. They all need maintenance. They all need, I mean, next thing you know, we're a slave to, to our appliances and, and our cars, everything else. We've gotten to the point where we're so busy taking care of everything, we have no time to spend with God and to get alone with God and get into your prayer closet for any length of time. He couldn't distinguish between the material and the spiritual. Verse 19, back in, in Luke, it says, uh, in verse 19, he says, And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years, Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool. That's strong language. Thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be? When that, that which thou hast provided. All right, he's going to die. So all his plans went for naught, didn't they? Every one of them. Won't be long. I'm sure he was well off, so I'm sure that he'll have a nice funeral. And uh, they'll come to the viewing and say, man, doesn't he look natural? He almost looked like he'd wake up. I mean, I've been to some of those. I mean, uh, they, they, the, cosmet uh, the cosmetics that they put on them, I mean, it, it's wonderful. But I know that, that that's just a shell. But anyhow, uh, my, doesn't he look good? He's going to die. He died. He's going to die that night. Now what are you going to do? He couldn't distinguish between the material and the spiritual. He said, my soul rejoiced in his goods. He planned for this life, forgot the next, laid up for many years. And this night, the Lord said, thou fool, this night thy soul will be required of thee. Thinking of time, he forgot eternity. Forgot all about it. Forgot his own mortality. Heart attack, accident, illness. He forgot his neighbor, didn't he? 
He forgot his neighbor for sure. He said, my, 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 my. Could have done so much good. He could have filled some other barns. Wouldn't even have to tear one down and build one. He could have been rich toward God. But really what set me off on this passage was not the fool. It's the fact that we live foolishly sometimes. There was one little word in there that we read past, and I'm going to go back to it. One word that got my attention through all of this, all, 20, all 21 verses. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? You know, what happens when we die? We're not worried about it anymore. Rich man died and... and uh, Rich man died, and uh, he was asked. Uh, it was asked, uh, "How much did he leave?" And they said, "All of it. Every bit of it." When we leave this world, what do we take? We take what we are, and we leave all that we have. We take all that we are, and we leave all that we have. And that's what got to me that little word then, because that wasn't speaking to the the, the rich fool. That was speaking to me. There's a then for each one of us. And most Christians do not really live like that. We, glory to God, I'm saved. And, and glory to God, I'm saved. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But that, that's just the beginning. Then our lives are supposed to change. We, we act like we have it made. I'm just, I'm, glory to God, I'm bumping along until I go to glory. What does the Word of God say in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5? We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And what's He going to judge? Our works. What we've done. How we've lived since we got saved. Since He purchased us with His blood. And we took part in the transaction. So, we need to be rich toward God in faith, love, good works. Do we come to church to hear? Or are we looking down, are we looking to see what time it is? Do we come to be a blessing or get a blessing? I, I'll never forget a picture I saw one time of today's Christian. There was a guy sitting at a table. He had a knife in this hand and a fork in this hand and a big old empty plate in front of him and said, okay, pastor, feed me. And that's the way a lot of pastors feel. That they're there to provide. You know, you can come to church to be a blessing. How many of your Bibles have a, in the Psalms have a, a Psalm of Degrees in them? You ever see those? You know what they are? Those, are? those are psalms they used to sing coming into the temple. Before they got inside. 
It'd be nice if some of us came to church with a song in our heart and, and, and uh, attempting to be a blessing and to be a friend. I'm not, this is a friendly church, really is. But that's what we're supposed to do. So do we come to church to hear? Pastor loves nothing more than to look out there and see people looking at him. And believe me, I, I, I know, I'm rusty right now, but I preach for a long time, and you can tell when you're losing them. You really can't. They start fumbling here, fumbling there. You can tell when they start looking around. You tell them, well, it's time to wrap it up. And then you say, I must hurry, and all of a sudden they all perk up. A little knowing that you're planning on going another 20 minutes. But anyway. <laughs> uh, so do we come to church to hear? Do we live in the light of then? Because one day I'm going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's going to judge my work. Praise God, he's not going to judge my sin because that's already been judged. It was judged on Calvary. The propitiation was made. The payment was made. So, but do we live in the light of then, verse 20? All of us need to do that. Because Hebrews 9.27 is still in the book. It says, what? And as appointed unto men wants to die, and after this the... And we all immediately think of the great white, great white throne judgment and all the sinners being judged and cast into the, into the lake of fire. We're going to be judged before that at the judgment seat of Christ. That's going to come first. So we need to live with the understanding that what? No, you're not. You're not your own. But you're bought with a price. What was that price? The blood of Christ. So there's a there's one more uh, little verse I wanted to look at that points out someone that understood this over in Mark chapter 12 and verse 42. It says, and there came a certain poor, uh, well, I'm going to back up one more, 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast, in, hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Now, there's something that's important there. I, had a, I, I was in a... a a Sunday school class, a friend of mine was teaching the class. And he went out and got some mites, little replica mites, and he gave each one of us one. And of course, smart aleck, some people, I won't name names, said, wasn't there supposed to be two? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's so, you know, but anyway, that's very important. 
That's one of the most important points in that whole story. Why? Why is it so important that she had two mites? She had a choice. She had one. That's all she could throw in. But she could have went in there and said, okay, Lord, this one's yours and this one's mine. But she gave him all that she had. That's why it's important that she had two mites. It gave her a choice. And it showed the character of her heart. So, we're supposed to live with then in view. Whereas you know not what should be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor. It appears for a little time, then vanishes away. I mean, I'm talking about believers. We act like, you know, it's done. That's for the lost people to worry about. No. I, I personally am afraid to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't think there's a person in this room that won't be when the time comes. Every one of us will wish we'd done more. Every one of us will wish we'd given more. Every one of us will think of all the times we had some neat little excuse for not doing something at that particular time when, when the Holy Spirit was prompting us to. Um, so we need to live in light of then. And I'm going to turn to 2 Corinthians 5, chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for just a minute here. There's a few verses here, verses, uh, chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. We're confident, I say, Paul said, and willing rather to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. That next verse really scares me. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and trust also are made manifest in your consciences. But that, in verse 9 it says, Wherefore we labor that, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Jesus loves you, this I know. And he loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. So what's that verse saying? We labor that we may be accepted of him. You ever look at those little bitty words that are there, just like this then we're talking about? I mean, you can read right past them and not pay any attention, but then is there for all of us. We're all going to be taken out one day. Then is there. And here we said, that wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him. We're already accepted by him when we receive him as our Savior. 
To be accepted of him means well-pleasing to him. And we should want to labor for that every day of our life, to be well-pleasing unto him. See, little words have, have, have a lot of meaning. You just got to look at them closely as you read your Bible. We read past a lot of things. If we stop and look at them and study them, all of a sudden, it's, hey, that's a whole other deal. So our service is, is, uh, to God is not here. Yes, you can serve in the church. Don't say he said, you know, that nothing counts here. No, that isn't what I said. Our service isn't here, though. This is the place you come to get prepared to serve, out there. That's what the church is for, so that we can love one another and help one another and build one another up, teach one another, so that we can be better witnesses for Christ out there. There's a sign out there, and how many people that aren't members of this church that came in tonight because there's a sign out front? Not that many. It happens every now and then. But we're supposed to be getting prepared to be better witnesses for him everywhere. So, do we live in the light of then? We all need to. We need to be uh, complete the transaction. We need to be partakers of the divine nature and righteousness and truth and faithfulness and goodness and kindness and mercy. So the rich fool, that's exactly what he was, a fool. But we can live foolishly too because then's approaching. None of us know when then is. I might not, my then might be tonight. I might not make it home. I hope I do because my wife's driving. I want her to make it. But we need to be cognizant of the fact that none of us know when we're going to leave this world and how much time we have to serve him. And we always try to put it off to another time, a later time, and we shouldn't do that. Like that, that poor uh, widow woman, she just came and threw in two mites. I mean, she could have said, well, uh, next week maybe I can give more, or maybe I can't afford it this week. I'll give it next week. No, she said, it is. it's his. It's all his. Everything we have is his. We don't own anything. We're just stewards of it, including our life, if you're in Christ. What Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. But he could say that. I mean, he could say those things which you have both seen and heard and learned of, of me do. That I wish I could walk out there and just tell every one of you, uh, just do what, just do like I do, and you'll be fine. That's what Paul said, and I seen many good examples of people who follow Christ and every one of them helped me. I've seen people that gave, that were sacri gave their lives for him 
I've seen people that live for him even though they're, they're, then was coming up. I, had, I worked in the bus ministry with a lot of them, folks that wouldn't let anything keep them from serving God. There was a, a, a young boy that worked on my bus route named Nate Stillwell. He came to my bus route, and I put him on, on door runner, you know, because all the guys said, I don't want to run to the door, man, I'm too old. So he'd run to the door like a gazelle, bring, them, bring the kids back to the bus, and that went on that first semester. And then two semesters went by, and, and he started slowing down. I noticed, well, man, he's, I don't know what's wrong with him, you know, and he started slowing down and going slower and slower and slower. And I was thinking his, his attitude wasn't quite right, but it wasn't his attitude, it was his body. He had cancer. He was 19 years old, and he had cancer. But I learned a lot from him. He stayed on the bus. He started going through chemo and everything, and he just kept working on the bus and getting slower and slower. Finally, he came one day. I asked him how he's doing. He said, well, he said, there's nothing they can do. I said, what do you mean? He said that the cancer has gone to my bloodstream and it's all over my body. He said, it's everywhere. There's absolutely nothing they can do for me except give me some more chemo to, to slow it down. And so, guess what he did? Kept coming to the bus every Sunday. And uh, bald head and all, touching 20 years old, and would walk down the aisle and laugh with the kids and let them all rub his bald head. And they'd just laugh and giggle, and he'd have fun. He went home to be with the Lord, but Nate never missed a day. And he, his verse was the Philippians 1.20, you know, whether by life or by death, he wanted to glorify God. And he served him till the day he died. Praise the Lord. I had the privilege of knowing him. I had the privilege of knowing Shirley Dietz. She worked in the bus ministry, too, but she had her own bus route. And every Saturday, Shirley, her husband would go out. To, he was her, her bus driver. They would go out on visitation every Saturday. Did that for years. And uh, Shirley had some health problems, too. But she, she'd get on that bus every, uh, go visit every Saturday, get on the bus every Sunday, bring in a good load of kids and, and folks to get saved. And we had a lot of... We'd bring in uh, uh, 2,500 people on the buses a, a week in that church. We had 60 bus routes. So she did that for years, and finally her health went. But right, she went right up to the day uh, uh, she just couldn't come out of the house anymore. She, just, she was run, running that bus route. But what I didn't tell you was, that you know, I, I hear people say all the time, "I would do this if I could. If it wasn't, if if it wasn't, if I just didn't have this problem, if I didn't have that problem, I would, I would serve. I would do this if it wasn't for that." When Ed Dietz married Shirley, he was uh, having hard times, and her family took him in. And when he married her, some thirty years before, when. Uh, she was in a wheelchair then. She worked that bus route every week from a wheelchair. She went on Saturday visitation in a wheelchair with Ed pushing her. On the bus, 
up and down the aisle in a wheelchair, loving on the kids and just, just having a great time and seeing people get saved. She did that for years and years and years and years until she died. There was a lady in a wheelchair. And I hear people say, well, I couldn't do this. Or I couldn't. I've met so many people like that. I met another bus captain, and then I'm going to have to quit. Yeah, I met another bus captain when I was in the bus ministry at college. Well, he loved his kids bad. He so greatly that it touched my heart. One day, one, day uh, one of his kids got caught stealing from, uh, from the buses. He skipped his Sunday school class, went on the buses, and was stealing things off the bus. So some of the, they had people walking guard duty, and they caught him. So they brought him up to the office, and all these, all these other bus captains were saying, he's not coming back here anymore. We're going to, you know, ban him and blah, 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 you know, righteous indignation. They went and got Jesse. That's Jesse Maynard. He's about my age now, and he'd been running that bus route for about 35 years. And they went and got Jesse, and they told him what that boy, they caught the boy doing. And I was there. And I never forgot it. He didn't say a word. He stood there and hung his head and started crying over that boy's soul. He didn't get mad. He knows that charity suffereth long. Charity's kind, gentle. He's going to love that boy into heaven. He just hung his head and cried. Anyway, we're going to stop here, but or we'll all be together then. <laughs> okay? For sure. All right, Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you, Lord. I thank you for just having this opportunity to share some of my experiences and this particular passage. And I pray, Lord, that you would use it as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.